Let's talk about how to make living with your partner an easier experience. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So this is going to be a part of my dating series where I talk about certain experience us autistics go through when we're dating and give some advice for not only other autistics out there, but their significant others. This series is meant to be watched, yes, on your own, but also with your significant other so that you guys can learn more about each other and how to build a nourishing relationship where the both of you can coexist and get your needs met because sometimes there could be difficult there with miscommunication and misunderstandings. I know some of us just need a little bit more help along this journey to understand each other. But as well, I think it's helpful to have actual tangible advice to follow and implement. So moving in with your partner can be an overwhelming experience for us autistics. I mean, think about it. For many of us, our home is our only safe space where everything is where it needs to be, things are done how we want, and we can finally unmask and be our true self outside of any social obligations. So when you move in or are living with an autistic person, you're somewhat intruding in on our sanctuary. Now, don't get me wrong. For many of us, we actually really do want to move in with our loved ones. Even though we may be completely willing and even excited to combine our living spaces with you, that doesn't take away from the fact that it could be extremely uncomfortable for both parties. So therefore, it's essential for everyone to work together to overcome these obstacles. Before I get into the rest of this video and all of the advice I have to give, I want you guys to keep one key word in mind and that is integration. The good news is that there are actual habits and objective ways to slowly integrate your living spaces to fit both of your needs. You just both have to be willing to try and to be open to making those adjustments where you deem fit. So the first thing I think is really important when you're living with another person is for you and your significant other to know what your routines are. This is important because when you live together, your routines are obviously going to change because you are interacting with each other on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, this could be the part that is extremely overwhelming for the autistic person because what we do at home and in our own privacy is essential to our well-being. And so when we move in with another person and we're around them 24 seven, even though we love this person and are comfortable around them, the autistic person may have a hard time allowing themselves to fully be themselves because we may not see our space as our own space anymore, if that makes sense. It might not even be something we're conscious of. It may be something we subconsciously do because we're so used to accommodating other people when we're around them. But either way, it's extremely important for the both of you to know what your routines are. So therefore, when there's a disruption in the routine, you may be able to exactly target how your routine is disrupted, how it affects you. And so therefore, you can begin to discuss what compromise you need in order to integrate your routine back into your lives. And routines are essential for your well-being. This is just for anyone. It's not just for the autistic person, but especially it's important for the autistic person because it is one of the only things we have that we can rely on and that can keep order in our lives. It helps us physically take care of ourselves and therefore it helps us emotionally and mentally take care of ourselves. And so when our routines are disrupted, 
in many cases, it makes it harder for us to emotionally regulate, mentally process things, and that can compound into a burnout, a meltdown, a shutdown, things like that. For example, when my current partner first moved in with me, I had a very set morning routine where when I first woke up in the morning, I would put my headphones on, get my morning started, make my coffee, do all these little tasks I needed to do before I popped into work. When my partner first moved in, and I would put my headphones on. He interpreted me putting my headphones on and not interacting with him in the morning as me not wanting to be around him, me not wanting to talk to him, and perhaps me even being upset with him. And I had to explain to him multiple times that this is just my routine. It's very important for me to have this morning to regulate myself and get my momentum going at a certain pace and not have to socially interact with other people. It's important for me to have my quiet, slow mornings but likewise it was very important for him to feel like he can start his mornings with me and feel that sense of connection it was really important to him and so our compromise there was that when we woke up in the mornings together on days that we were off we would both put our headphones on and make breakfast side by side so usually i would make us both coffee and he would make us both food and we would have that quiet time to ourselves this is called parallel play you guys this technique is super important and useful for autistic individuals who are in relationships because it allows you to still have your own space to do your own thing but alongside another person and so we would make our breakfast side by side but not be talking the whole time and then we would reconvene at the dining table and that would be the time where we would take our headphones off, eat breakfast together, talk and connect. This was our way of meshing this morning routine together to meet the both of our needs. So the next thing that is really important is to know your sensory aversions. This is really important because as an autistic person, you have a lot of sensory sensitivities. I go over this pretty in depth in my past videos. And I actually made a customized workbook for neurodivergent people that need to figure out what their sensory comforts and aversions are. So if you're someone who needs help figuring that out, please give this video a watch where I go over that workbook. A reason why knowing your sensory aversions is really important is because what becomes an emotional or mental dysregulation usually stems from a sensory discomfort that is not alleviated. So for example, if you're a person that responds poorly to extremely bright blue light and your house has fluorescent light all around, that sensory discomfort will compound day after day after day and make it harder for you to regulate after a long day of work or have a difficult conversation with your partner without absolutely breaking down or shutting down. So when you know your sensory aversions and discomforts, you can do what it takes to accommodate your needs so that you can have a more calm, regulated baseline in order to build a stable life on top of. I've had clients come to me with a plethora of issues that are really big issues, right? And they cannot seem to figure out how to tackle them and how to remedy them. And a lot of the times after many sessions of talking, what we come to realize is that a lot of these bigger issues that they're dealing with that spent a long time to become issues are attributed to a lot of small sensory discomforts not being accommodated for. Things like my client was extremely sensitive 
sensitive to light, but their whole apartment was filled with light all the time. Also little things like their dishware made really loud noises. And so when they were able to replace everything with wooden spoons and forks or wooden plates, they avoided the kitchen less because the wood knocking against each other wasn't as loud as ceramics knocking against metal, for example. And so once I was able to compile a list of how to accommodate these sensory discomforts for my clients, it started to regulate them a lot better and allowed them to be able to show up and resolve a lot of these bigger issues that they were dealing with. I just want to quickly point out a pattern in today's video and that is for you as the autistic person in the relationship to know yourself in and out. The thing about us is that if you don't know yourself, how is your partner supposed to understand how to be there for you, right? Before you can try to expect your partner to accommodate you and understand you, you have to understand yourself, you have to understand how to communicate your needs and why you have those needs to your partner. I know it could be hard, but that's why I'm here to help you along this journey in discovering what those needs are and how to ask for them. So the next thing that's really important when you are living with another person is to know how you need to decompress and to be able to advocate and maintain that routine. Even though this is a part of your routine, which is the first thing I talked about, I put this as its own thing because it's essential to know how you need to decompress at the end of the day, sometimes even at the beginning of the day as well, because if you are not consistently maintaining the routine of decompressing, the likeliness of you having a meltdown, burnout, or shutdown becomes higher. For a lot of autistic individuals, we struggle with physical health issues. We, a lot of the times, have GI issues. A lot of us also have trouble regulating our nervous system. A lot of us struggle with anxiety, right? And so because of this, it's important for us to have time every single day. You know, this doesn't have to be like an hour long meditation you do every day. This could literally just be you, you know, sitting down with your headphones on for 10 minutes and just laying there in the darkness. I know that sounds kind of depressing and funny to talk about, but that is really helpful. Sometimes I have those days where I just have to lay on my office floor, have my headphones on, have my cat lay on my chest and just lay there for a few minutes and completely decompress and have that sensory deprivation. But it's important to have these moments of decompression because it helps regulate your nervous system on a day-to-day -day basis, little by little, which will really help your overall health. And these are little things that not only will benefit you, but are really easy to maintain if you think about it. And it really doesn't take much effort to do these things. If anything, I think it'll be fun for you guys if you don't already have this decompression routine worked into your lives to experiment with different things that can help calm you down and see what really works for you and what doesn't. Maybe this could be a good bonding experience for your partner as well for you guys to figure these things out together, try different things out. Do guided meditations together, do breath work together, do some stretches together. You could do a lot of things to help figure out what your needs are and to begin to build that decompression routine into your schedules. 
I know a lot of the times because of our capitalistic society, we can be so used to going and going and going. And sometimes when we get off work, our brains are still going super fast and our bodies may have a hard time slowing down even though we're super tired. So it's super important to have a decompression routine in place for you guys to tap into when you guys both get off work and you guys are ready to settle down for the night. Something that I personally do to decompress after a long work day is I will shut everything off. I will turn my phone on silent. And sometimes if I'm really stressed, I will, like I said, lay on my office floor and just close my eyes and breathe for a few minutes. And the first thing I do is I make my way to my kitchen. I eat some food. I try to do activities that doesn't require too much brain power because I'm actually trying to get my brain to slow down and think less and get ready to drop in for the night and be present. For those of you who may struggle with insomnia and falling asleep, a reason why you may have those issues is because you don't do what you need to do to slow your mind and body down into a state of rest. Something my partner and I do on work days at night to just bond but not feel the need to talk too much is that we like to play chess together. It's a great way for us to bond over a certain activity without having to verbally talk to each other. And it's just a nice way for us to connect as well. So the next thing on the list is to know your sensory comforts and communicate that to each other. So these are different from accommodations, right? Accommodations are things that target your sensory discomforts and makes those things easier for you to handle. Sensory comforts are things that actually feed into you and make you feel good and actually invigorate you. An accommodation would be changing out blue light into warm lights. A sensory comfort would be something like your comfort food, would be something like your comfort cup that you drink your water out of, something like watching your favorite show, your favorite movie, listening to your favorite type of music at the end of the night. It's important to know your sensory comforts because you can easily work these things into your routine on a day-to-day -day basis so that you are not only making life easier for you by having your accommodations, but you're also making life enjoyable. That's the big thing here because a lot of the times we are so uncomfortable on a day-to-day -day basis that we're almost on this survival mode day in and day out until we reach these burnouts, right? It's important for you when you wanna build a life that that is livable for you to make life enjoyable for yourself. Make it so that you can wake up knowing that there is something you can look forward to throughout your day or at the end of your day. You know, sensory comforts for me is little things like my cup of coffee in the morning. When I wake up and I look forward to making my cup of coffee and the whole process of making coffee, there's many times where that is the only thing that can get me out of bed. And so when you know what your sensory comforts are, it makes you feel a sense of purpose to get out of bed and to go on about your day. And it makes it so that you feel good about your life and look forward to living your life. And this is really important because a lot of the times people with autism may struggle with depression and a lot of other mental health issues because life is so uncomfortable and can feel impossible to live. So it's important to know what your sensory comforts are so that you feel like you want to be here. And this could be a great way for 
you to integrate your loved one into something that you love as well. For example, I taught my partner how to make the perfect cup of coffee, in my opinion. It took him a couple times to master it, but he's finally mastered a really good cup of coffee. And this is something that originally he doesn't care about it. He could drink Folgers instant coffee, right? And it became something that we both could bond over. And now when he makes me a cup of coffee, it makes me feel so good that he is partaking in something I care so much about. When we travel together, we always look for coffee shops so we could try coffee together. And we always like to go buy really good beans and see what it'll taste like. It's really important when you are in a relationship to have things that you could bond over, have routines that you can still maintain while with each other, and have ways to work around discomforts that the both of you have. These are very important things to navigate while in a relationship and is going to be very important when making a relationship last longer and thrive. No relationship is perfect, so if you don't have a way to navigate those harder conversations and navigate your discomforts, then that becomes impossible. You can't just keep ignoring it or act like it's not there. And likewise, if your relationship isn't enjoyable either, that also makes a relationship hard to be in as well and makes you feel like there's no sense of purpose within the relationship. There's no sense of enjoyment in it. So that's why it's important to have your routines, communicate what your sensory aversions are, communicate what your sensory comforts are. Either way, it's so important to have clear communication. If this isn't something that is important for every relationship, it is especially important within a relationship that includes an autistic person because there's just a lot more likeliness of miscommunication and misunderstanding because of the social deficit. So it's essential for both parties to have clear communication, whether that's communicating a need, expressing an emotion, or communicating a question. I find a lot of the times through my experience of dating holistic people, there's a lot of implications with nonverbal communication. There's a lot of guesswork that is being done. There's a lot of trying to understand each other without the other person clearly stating it. And that is just a recipe for disaster, honestly. Without clear communication, everything I just talked about would not be possible and would make living together a lot harder. But the good news is that with clear communication and with love and respect, everything I just said above should be relatively easy to talk about and to begin to implement within your living situation and within your relationship. When it comes to clear communication, I want you guys to remember a few things. No implying, no guessing, state your intention clearly. Sometimes there's a thing that I think a lot of holistic partners fail to realize and this is something that can turn into an argument with your autistic loved one and that is not stating what you're going to do and they only find out while you're about to do it or in the middle of doing it. A lot of the times this leads to a dispute because to the holistic person they don't see a big deal in them just doing something but a lot of the times for us because we like to know what's happening, we like to be able to be prepared for it, it really helps us when our loved one can tell us what they're about to do or if there are changes that are going to happen. So for example, little things like changing your gym membership to another gym or trying a different brand of oatmeal or throwing out old blankets because they're starting to deteriorate. These are things that to another holistic person may not really matter, but for an autistic person, 
person. One little thing can drastically change our whole routine and experience with the world. And so it's super helpful for us for you to constantly communicate to us what changes you're going to make or what things you're going to do so that we could prepare ourselves for what you're going to do or the changes that you're going to make. The good news is that it's easy to implement this. It's just communication, right? It should be easy for you to be like, hey, I'm about to run out to the store right now instead of tonight because I have free time. You know, that's also something small that may not affect another holistic person, but your autistic loved one could have built their whole day around going to the store with you at night. And so when you last minute say, oh, I'm going right now, it could derail their whole day. So when you're constantly communicating about your intentions, like, hey, I actually have free time right now. I could go to the store, but if you still wanna go tonight, just let me know. And then your autistic loved one could say, you know what? I would prefer to go with you tonight because that's what I planned for. So if you wouldn't mind, just wait till tonight like the original plan was. You know, these are things that are super, super important to us. The more you communicate about your intentions, what you're going to do or what changes you're gonna make, the less mishaps are going to happen, the less stress will be, the more trust that will build in you overall. Either way, I hope today's video has been helpful for you guys. I hope I gave you guys a good amount of things to integrate into your relationship to make it go a lot more smoothly and make living together a lot more cohesive. If any of my advice has helped you, please let me know in the comment section down below what advice it was and how it's changed your relationship. Other than that, thank you guys for being in my community and stick around and watch the video I made where I help you guys get to know what your sensory discomforts and comforts are. I'll see you guys on next week's video. Bye.